Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 o'clock service, and this is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to those of you in the room, many more we know joining us online. If you are visiting with us, and some of you are, we, we are so honored that you have come, and we uh, look forward to being able to uh, befriend one another. We want to get to know you. Leave us, uh, Ian will tell you how, to at least some uh, contact information. We'd love to reach out to you this week. Um, I, my name is James Howell. I'm one of the pastors here. I'll introduce him in a minute, but I want to mention our organist today, again, is Lee Northcutt. And Lee is here because, uh, if you're like me, I complain about the Charlotte drivers who lose their minds. So and bad. one of them cost Evan Curry a fractured wrist. That's a valuable wrist, too and he's a better person. Uh, he covets your prayers. He'll be back with us next week singing and doing such things, but uh, he's in for a time of recovery, so Lee, thank you for uh, being with us. And I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. So grateful to be together. May we all encounter a loving, grace-filled presence of God as we worship as a family of God. As Dr. Howell mentioned, we wanna connect with you, especially if you're a first-time visitor, relatively new. There's several ways to do that. There's the physical hospitality pads. If you will fill that and pass it to your neighbors, on the back of your bulletin, there's a QR code that you can use your smartphones to register your uh, uh, attendance with us. And for those of us online, there's a little link that you can check to connect with us and for us to connect with you. There's different spots where you can check first-time visitor, or if you want one of the pastors to reach out to you, there's a place for that as well where you can share your prayer concerns and for us to share ministries of our church with our church family. It is good that we are here today, friends. Let us continue to prepare, prepare our hearts for worship.
Let us now be united as God's children in confessing our faith in the faith of the Christian church through the Apostles' Creed as found in the back of our hymnal 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. good and gracious God is quick to give quick to forgive as we profess and confess our sins I invite you to turn your attention to our bulletin for our prayer of confession let us pray together gracious God we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release our past regrets continue to shame us with pain scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news Christ died for us while we are yet still sinners. That proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Matthew chapter 15, beginning, beginning with the 21st verse. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and cried, Have mercy on me, O Lord son of David, my daughter is severely possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Well, Dale, thank you for that uh, uplifting, inspiring word. Desperate woman comes to Jesus, he calls her a dog. You know, you have the Da Vinci Code narrative that says uh, they made up all the stuff later to make Jesus look greater than he really was. My goodness, the Bible's happy to include a story like this. You know, what is that, what is that about? Uh, several things that we could uh, take note of. One is the woman's uh, desperation and her perseverance. She's desperate. She perseveres. Uh, last Sunday, um, I drove up the road up to Stanley County to preach homecoming at the first uh, pastorate that I had when I got out of seminary. On the way, I listened to our service <coughs> and listened to uh, Nathan Arledge's wonderful sermon. I thought maybe I'll pilfer an idea from his sermon. It was on prayer. It was a great sermon. The only footnote I would add to it is that uh, when this woman beseeches Jesus, it says that he was silent. I don't know about you, sometimes, a lot of times, when I pray really desperately, it seems that it is greeted with silence. It's like the gravity in the room is too great and the prayer's not getting up to God. And you may have had that experience uh, yourself. Um, persistence. Jesus values persistence in prayer. Uh, Monica was the mother of St. Augustine. He wasn't always St. Augustine. He was a troubled man, young man for a long time. And Monica became sort of the patron saint of worried mothers. She prayed for her son and prayed for her son for years and years so intently. One time she was praying in the church. She was sobbing over her son. And uh, the Bishop Ambrose saw her and said, it is not possible that the child of so many tears could perish. Uh, Monica's remains are, she's buried in a church in Rome that nobody goes to visit. I went to see uh, her sarcophagus there. I assumed that I would be alone in the church. I walked over toward where she's buried, but I realized I was not alone. There, I heard a woman's voice. Someone was, seemed to be praying through tears. I listened, and she just had two words. She kept repeating. Over and over, she was saying, Mio Bambino. Mio Bambino, Mio Bambino, my little boy. I couldn't guess what was wrong with her little boy. You can fill in the blank. Uh, I sat down 20, 30 feet behind her, and I just, I don't think she ever saw me. I just prayed with her. I think about persistence in prayer. We think that's something that we do for ourselves. But we also think about those who are crying out somewhere, Mio Bambino, and we, we join them in prayer wherever they are, here, around the world. We join them in their persistent prayers. Uh, Jesus, uh, how should we say, did Jesus have a bad day? A woman asks him. He calls her a dog. Like, what is that about? Uh, I tried to make sense of this, and I uh, turned to a, a fairly new theologian that I've come to respect recently, uh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Ted Lasso uh, famously said, I hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments, but rather by the strength we show when and if we're ever given a second chance, right? Is Jesus having a weak moment and we shouldn't judge him on that? What's that about? Sometimes we get confused about who Jesus is. Jesus, uh, he's not a genie to grant your wishes. He's not a protective bubble so that nothing will ever happen to you. What the Bible tells us is that Jesus is God with us. 
And if God is with us, why shouldn't God be with us when we're just figuring stuff out? You have stuff that's like you got to figure out over time. It's hard. Wasn't Jesus somebody who, like, he had to figure some stuff out? Luke 2 says Jesus grew in wisdom. He became wiser as he grew older. Here he's figuring out, my mission is to the Jews, but then because of this woman, he says, oh, and the Gentiles. He's figuring that out. And what's interesting about his deciding, oh, I'm also here for the Gentiles, is what moves him. Jesus doesn't one day just say, oh, let's just love everybody, <laughs> which is a good idea, just to love everybody. But what, what Jesus, what, what, what tips the balance for him is he sees this woman in tense faith, and he's moved by that. And I've been thinking about that lately in terms of, I don't know what to call them, the, um, let's call them the debated people in our world. There should be no debated people. But we have debated people in our world. And I wonder if this might actually help. For instance, I know people debate immigrants. They are debated people. But I've had the privilege in my ministry, and some of you know this as well, to actually meet some immigrants, and some of them have an intense faith and are persistent in prayer. Maybe that's a reason to think about them differently. Some of the debated people in our world, this still grieves me, are, are gay people. and We want to debate gay people but have you seen the intense prayer and passionate devotion to God among gay? Maybe that changes how we think about it. Race is still a problem in the world. Maybe not in this room, but somewhere. Have you able to debate black people? But have you seen the passionate faith, the persistence in prayer? Maybe we just think about all that different. And instead of debating people, we see that and we say, we're with them, they're with us. We're all in one family in Christ's body. It could be a beautiful thing. Uh, here's the other thing. I, I struggled all week what to say about this text. Some of my preacher friends said, man, I wouldn't touch that one. Desperate woman comes to Jesus and Jesus says, it is not fair for the children's bread to be thrown to the dogs. Like, what kind of answer is that? I was riding my bicycle, though, on Friday, and I had this epiphany. Like, God spoke to me on my bicycle, and I decided, here's what I'll say. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> See what you think. And it was this, it occurred to me on my bicycle that I actually am someone who by my words and actions have so many times in my life said, it is not fair for the children's bread to be thrown to the dogs, and you've done it too. And here's how it works. The question is, uh, who in our world, who in your world gets the good stuff? Who gets the good stuff? In my world, I get the good stuff. My kids get the good stuff. All of us normally, who gets the children's bread? We're the kind of people that we ensure that our children get all the goods. They go to the right schools, they have the right clothes, they're on the right soccer team, they have the right dentist. I take good care of myself and my wife. We eat in fine restaurants. I drink fine wine. We go to great destinations when we travel. We stay in nice places when we travel. Who gets the good stuff, we get the good stuff, and if there's a little bit left over, then we give the crumbs to those who are desperate and in need.
I'm talking about me before I'm talking about you. Two things that illustrate this, I think, pretty well. If my children were here, they would uh, speak of the sweet potato caper. When I was in Davidson, we'd have a food drive periodically. And there, when you had the food drive, you didn't drop it off somewhere else. You had to bring the canned goods into the sanctuary and come up at the altar call and, and put it on the altar. So I go out the door one day, and we're having a food drive, and I'm backing out of the driveway, and I realize, oh, I forgot my canned goods. So I rushed back in the house, and I opened the pantry, and... Sweet potatoes? I hate sweet potatoes. So I grabbed it. Let some poor person eat these sweet potatoes. There's stuff in here I like. Well, I'll save that for me for tomorrow. And then here's another thing that I've been doing lately. This is amazing. Uh, Lisa and I live in Plaza Midwood, and there's a Methodist church in our neighborhood called The Vine. And every other Thursday, they collect, collect sandwiches to go to a roof above. So I got the idea, like, I'll participate in this church's sandwich ministry. And let me tell you, when I go there, they make me feel like a million dollars. They're like, whoa, Dr. Howell's bringing sandwiches. He's the pastor of that big church in town, and he's participating. And I, I just, oh, this is just me. I am amazing when I do this. But then I caught myself the last time that I'm in the Harris Teeter getting what I need to make my sandwiches on Wednesday night. And I'm looking at the bread and, oh, there's a cheap loaf of off-brand bread and it's, it's marked way down. I put that in my basket. I go to the deli counter. Oh, two packages of off-brand deli meat for $5. I put that in there. When I shop for the Howells, we get this kind of fine bread with seed on it. When I buy luncheon meat, I get it sliced, London broil, right? Crumbs. And the poor, the desperate, they're accustomed to getting crumbs. And they're kind of glad to get it. But my question is, as the people of God, do we really want to just take the children's bread for ourselves and leave the crumbs for the others, even if they're accustomed to them. Uh, I think about the Haywood Street uh, Methodist Church uh, up in Asheville. Uh, they have a meal where they, the homeless, uh, the destitute can come in. And you know what you expect is you know, they've got a bag of kind of cheap food. Here, take this, go eat it somewhere. Here's some crumbs. <laughs> Instead of what they do at Haywood Street is uh, when they come in, they have the best chefs from the city of Asheville who come in and take turns cooking the meal. And the homeless sit at tables that have tablecloths and fine china, cloth napkins. Uh, volunteers come in and serve as waiters and waitresses. They're treated with dignity, not just some crumbs. And then I had an amazing thing that happened. Uh, last week, I went to preach the homecoming. The best part of the homecoming is not me preaching. The best part of the homecoming is they have a covered dish dinner. And if any of you have any background with old country churches, man, can they do a covered dish? I'm sorry, you city women, you just can't cook like these. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. And they take great pride in it, and they bring their best dishes that they've developed. And I was just so, I just picked out. It was a great meal. And the coolest moment, I got near the dessert table, and I looked back, and I found my longtime friend Kay Barringer, and I said, did you? She said, I did. She made chocolate eclair for me. She I was her pastor 40 years ago. She remembered that I, James, love her championship, chocolate eclair. Who gets the good stuff? I get the good stuff. 
So we're there, and when I go to the church, though, before the coverage dinner, I'm looking, trying to remember people and greeting folks, people saying they're you know, anyway. There's a guy sitting there that I don't know. I didn't think I knew him. He was like he's in his early 40s, and he's sitting by himself. He wasn't later. And I came up, and I sat next to him, and I said, Hi, I'm James. And then he told me his name. I almost burst into tears. I said, You're still here? He said, Yeah, I'm, I've always been here. So the story, <laughs> this is amazing. When I got there as a pastor, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to talk to church people. And they had their first covered dish dinner. It was amazing. And uh, when it was over, their tradition was they packaged up the food that was left over, which was a feast in and of itself, and they put it in a box and they brought it to me. And they said, Pastor, would you find a poor family and take them this food? And I was young and immature. I didn't know how to say, oh, thank you. You are so generous. I will do that. Instead, I said, no, I won't do that. And they were <laughs> really puzzled. And I said, you know, that's just not a cool thing. And they're really puzzled, thinking we got a loser as a pastor. And they said, doesn't somebody need this food? I said, yeah, but what I'll do is I'll go find a family this week. And I know the guidance counselor at the school. And I want you to invite that family to come here and sit at a nice table and eat with you guys. They're like, we never thought of that. So the guidance counselor found a woman. She had two sons. They both had uh, developmental challenges. And they came. We had a great meal together. And that Sunday, that family came to church. And they kept coming to church. And the moms died and the brother moved away. But that one brother, he, he's still there 40 years later. 40 years later, I didn't just give them some crumbs. Here, go. Crumbs. Um, here, here's, here's the other thing that I wasn't going to include this in my sermon, uh, but I thought about it on my bike on Saturday. I had another epiphany. I thought, this would be cool in this sermon. Then I thought, mm, I'm not going to tell them. And the reason is, this morning, so many of you have said, James, we're glad you're back. We have missed you. And I thought, if I tell them this, they'll think, we wish he hadn't come back. <laughs> but then I couldn't keep it from you because I love you, and it's just something that God's laid on my heart, so bear with me on this. So uh, a lot of you know that in the United Methodist Church, we're having this trauma that we're going through, where there are churches, um, uh, they, they're doing, it's called disaffiliation. They're just like, we're not going to be United Methodists any longer. And it's over, do, do we include LGBTQ people in the church or not? It just makes your head hurt. And so churches are leaving and doing this. So I, so I know a pastor right now, his church is getting ready to vote on this. So he sent out a letter to his congregation kind of laying out answers to questions and so on. And somebody sent it to me, and I thought it was amazing, and I called him. Uh, the first part is he says, uh, you guys may vote to disaffiliate and leave, but you just need to know I'm not leaving. So if you vote to leave, I will not be your pastor any longer. That was a good, strong beginning. But the best part of it was this. He said, a lot of people ask me, whose property is it? Does the church belong to us or does the church belong to the denomination? His answer was great. He said, neither. He said, the church doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to the denomination. He said, the church belongs to God. Like, winning answer. That was so good. This church does not belong to us, and it does not belong to the United Methodist Church. It belongs to God. You belong to God. Everything you have belongs to God. And so then here's the thing. 
When I was um, on sabbatical, I was out for three months, and uh, my wife asked me, she said, does this being away for three months, does this make you um, feel like you're ready to retire? And I said, no, I don't want to retire. I want to get back to work. I love work. I want to work several more years if they'll you know, have me. Uh, I, I love, I want to keep working. She said, though, when you retire, what will you miss? And I had a long list. I said, I'll, I'll miss these worship services. I'll miss preaching. I'll miss the music. I'll miss working with my great staff. I'll miss visiting in the hospital. I'll miss all, oh, so many things. Long list. <laughs> then she said, but when you retire, what will you not miss? I'll be honest with you, I just had one answer. This isn't scolding anybody, I'm just telling you what's on my heart. I said, you know, what I won't miss is what I have to do Monday morning. So tomorrow morning, I'm gonna have a meeting that hadn't been able to happen because I'm gonna meet with Sarah Beth Dozier and she's been on vacation since I got back from sabbatical. And what we need to talk about tomorrow morning is uh, where our church is financially. But we don't really need to have the meeting to talk because I've been doing this for 43 years and I know what she's going to tell me. She's going to say, we are way behind and we've got to do two things. We've got to cut stuff we're doing and you've got to beg and cajole people to give us, she won't use the word, but I will. Could you please give us just a few more crumbs? It's not about a budget. It's about mercy. The woman comes to Jesus. What does she ask for first? She asks for mercy. This is the mercy place. I've got to go do some banking tomorrow. I have no expectation that my banker will have mercy. <laughs> It's just not a thing at the bank, mercy. Some people I know tell me they can't get mercy at home, but church is the place of mercy. And when somebody tells me that, that things are such that we need to cut back on what we are doing, what I hear is, is we already don't have as much mercy as we need. We don't have as much mercy as the world needs. The world isn't out there saying, we already get too much mercy from Myers Park Church. Chill. <laughs> the, church needs, the world needs more mercy. The world needs more mercy. And we can do this, I'm sure. We're great. People say to me all the time, Myers Park, that may be the greatest church in all of Methodism. And I get kind of puffed up with pride, like, yeah. I've been there 20 years, and we're the greatest church in Methodism. This is my stupid side that does this. We're a great church, but I'm positive that we are just scratching the surface of what God's actually asking of us and what the world actually needs. And the beauty of it is we can actually do what God is asking of us, and we can provide what the world needs. Back in the day uh, when we would have communion, some of you old enough to remember this, it was a prayer that we would pray right before coming to the altar, and it goes like this. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. There are people out there crying, Mio Bambino. Mio Bambino. Can we have mercy?
on them. Can we feel the mercy of God? Can we limit the mercy? No. Mercy. Mercy. Thanks be to God. Let us go to God in prayer. All loving and merciful God, your people have sought you at all times, but especially in times of tribulation or distress. We place before you the needs on our hearts. For some, the needs are small, the start of a new school year, a new transition. For others, they are large, the loss of a job, the loss of health, the loss of a significant relationship. No matter the situation, Lord, we all look to you. We seek you in these spaces, for you are our strength, our comforter, our rock. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, be with all those who suffer this day, especially those who are suffering with grief. The grief of sending a child to college, the grief of their body change, the grief of the loss of a loved one, and the many ways grief shows up in our lives. We know you see our pain and our understanding of our brokenness. Help us to rest in you and accept your love and grace fully. Today, we especially lift up the family of Paul Bowen in their time of loss. Lord, in your mercy, God, help us to see your children as you see them. Help us to love the complexity of humanity and to create safe places for people to be themselves, to be seen, to be heard, to be known, and most of all, to be loved. Help your church to be that place in the world. Help us to extend that grace to others. And in so doing, may we be the second coming, your presence in the world once more. Help us to be the advent of your love and your grace to a world that desperately needs it. Lord, in your mercy. And now, Heavenly God, be with us as we continue in worship. Let your spirit be felt in this place as we gather at the table. And may your grace sustain us as we go forth from this place to be your people. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. The ministry of this church would not be possible without your giving.
And on behalf of the lives that you'll touch this week through your gracious giving, we give you thanks in advance.
O Lord, we offer our gifts to support Christ's mission. Bless these gifts and use our energy for good purposes so the world will know your loving kindness and great mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. we are a United Methodist Church. That means that all are welcome at our Lord's table. All who need the mercy of God, that, that, that would be all of us in this room. So friends, uh, we will uh, join in our prayers of consecration. Uh, we'll sing the responses. The choir will guide us. You can find those, if you don't know them, on page 17 at the front of your hymnal. After you do that, the uh, ushers will guide you in coming forward. We'll have two lines. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling if you would like. We also have uh, packets. These are uh, gluten-free and COVID-friendly. So uh, all are welcome. So friends, let us join together now in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, on the night in which he gave himself up for us. Our Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving you thanks, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is Christ is Christ is 
Lord, pour out your Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. confidence of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against
Friends, would you join with me now as we pray the prayer after communion, which you will find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore.